I was just into the groove of the music. Sorry. Uh, every uh, every once in a while, we have a wonderful opportunity to speak with Todd Nettleton, who's uh, host of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and uh, today giving us some information about what's happening around the world with uh, the persecution uh, of Christians around the world and mm-hmm. how we can get involved and be praying. Good morning, Todd. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Good morning. Always a pleasure to have you on and to talk to you and find out what's going on in the world. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys, too. We're going to start in China. It seems to be the topic or the place that we go to often, but something's a little different this time. Yeah, we're having a conversation this coming weekend on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Bob Fu, who is the president of the China Aid Association, a former prisoner for Christ in China. Mm. One of the things he will talk about in that conversation is a change in strategy by the Chinese legal authorities. He said over the last year, there haven't been pastors and church leaders charged with what they used to call illegal religious activities or illegal religious gatherings. He said now all of the pastors, all of the church leaders over the last year are now being charged with financial crimes. It is illegal business practices. It is fraud. It is money laundering. And there's definitely a strategy behind that, because if if somebody like you or, or our congressman write to the Chinese embassy and say, hey, why are you arresting this pastor? The Chinese government could say, well, well, that has nothing to do with religion. That That's all about finances. That, that's, that guy's a fraudster. We had to take him in so they can sort of hide their persecution of Christians. But it also points to something. I actually had a conversation with a pastor the last time I was in China about how to handle the church's money. Uh, and I had never thought about this before. Like the church doesn't legally exist. So you can't go down to the bank and say, hey, our church wants to start a checking account because mm-hmm. the bank will say, like, you don't exist. How are you going to start a checking account? Mm-hmm. And so what do you do with that money? Well, he said in, in their particular congregation, the deacons would divide it up amongst themselves. They would put it in their personal accounts. And so uh, obviously that's a, a responsibility of the deacons. That's something you want to have trustworthy men. But then the government can look in those bank accounts and be like, well, where did this money come from? What is that? That, You know, we know what your salary is and you shouldn't have Mm. that much money in your account. Where did that come from? So that is where they get these illegal business practices, fraud, money laundering charges. Uh, And like I say, it's a way to hide the persecution of Christians because they can always say, nope, it had nothing to do with religion. Real quick, how do pastors get paid in China then? (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, similar to how we do here, I mean, they would, you know, the, the congregation would give tithes and offerings. Uh, the pastor would be paid out of that. In most cases, uh, the pastor is probably not a full-time pastor. Now, there are some, uh, but obviously he needs a job because he's yeah. going to be, <laughs> he's going to have to tell the authorities, well, how do you make a living? Well, I work here um, because they are looking at things like that. They are monitoring the finances. Wow. And so um, this is a way for the the communist party, the government to exert control. It's also a way for them to hide the fact that, mm. yeah, these guys are in jail because they're doing Christian work. Uh, but the Chinese government doesn't want us to know that. And they certainly don't want to have to admit that. Wow. And also their propaganda can change. They don't have to um, they don't have to hide behind, you know, other tactics to to persecute Christians. They can be very blatant about it and saying we're helping to keep the the economy safe by, you know, going after fraudsters and so forth. They don't have to they, their propaganda can completely change and get more public support for what they're doing. 
Yeah, it, it, it is all in the wow. interest of, of public safety. It's in the interest of protecting the people. Yep. And, uh, you know, so they would say a, a pastor taking an offering is committing fraud. He, he is, you know, he's fooling those people into giving him their money. And uh, that's a crime. So we have to prosecute that. So, yeah, yeah, exactly right. They they would paint this as, hey, look, we're doing our job. We're protecting the public from fraudsters. Wow, it just it just begs the the prayer. Lord, help them be wise as serpents and right. innocent as doves. Exactly, you know, like- it, it is such a complicated thing to think about. And like I say, when I talked to this pastor, I I, it, I my mind was blown because I had just never thought it like like oh, the just the practical reality of how do you cash a check? How do you what do you do with that money? You don't want to just put it under your mattress and uh, sort of bring it out the next week. So what do you do with that? You know, what makes me really nervous about that strategy Mm. is I can see that being accepted and used in our country. I, I, I'm not saying it's happening right now, but, but going after quote unquote, labeling individuals as financial fraudsters and money laundering and so forth. I can see that being used as a strategy in our own country and probably not the not too off uh, future. Well, that's, that's it, it is me. something – yeah, it is definitely something to be aware mm-hmm. of. And I, I – was at Watergate where they always said follow the money? Yep. And, and that is true today too. Yep. Um, if you want to and, and you know uh, – we will see, I believe, in, in coming years, uh, maybe your credit card processor says, oh, wait, those yep. guys are bigots. We're, we're not going to process credit card transactions for them. Oh, you know, we're not going to mm. give them loans. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I, I well, think does you're wise now. to kind of see that. Yeah, that does happen now. There are organizations uh-huh. that uh, credit card companies say we're not going to process the payments because of this, that, and the other thing. That's that's very, very, very disturbing. It brings mm. this this persecution wow. from where we see it from in a far off land. The possibility of it sitting in our mm-hmm. backyard that that's concerning. Yep. But, but apparently, the the Chinese authorities are not the only ones that are making changes in their policies in order to step up their persecution. Right? There's also you were talking about in Brunei. Yeah, Brunei. I'm I'm not sure we've ever talked about Brunei before. Brunei is a country that is part of one island uh, surrounded by Malaysia and uh the sultan, the king of Brunei has essentially absolute power. Um so he went in and last fall went in a couple months ago to the Department of Islamic Affairs and said, "You know, I don't I don't feel like we're doing a good enough job educating our children about Islamic principles." And Within a week, they had announced a new nationwide policy, and within another week, they had instituted. So it started November 1st. Every day, every student, one hour of Islamic instruction in the schools, public school and private school, Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, every student— one hour of Islamic instruction every single day in school. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Christian parents in Brunei, and there are Christians there, are like, wait a minute— we're a Christian family. We don't want our child to have one hour per day of Islamic instruction, um, but there isn't a, a way around it. There isn't a way to appeal it or get out of it. Um, and so, you know, it's something for prayer, but it also shows the power of the king of Brunei. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he is very much a Muslim. He wants it to be a Muslim country. And even though it is legal to be a Christian, it's it's often in in similar ways to Malaysia. It's co- sort of divided ethnically. Um, the the national people of Brunei, Bruneian Malay, they are called, 
are traditionally Muslim, but there are also ethnic Chinese, there are ethnic Indians, there are others who are maybe traditionally Christians. And, and it's legal, and they can have churches, but they can't share their faith. They can't encourage someone to come to Christ, to change their religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now their children are facing, and I you know, I think about this as a, as a parent and now as a mm-hmm. grandparent, well, mm-hmm. Do I want my child to have one hour a day of Islamic instruction where they're memorizing verses from the Quran? They're memorizing Islamic prayers? No, I don't want that. How do I overcome that? What do I do about that as a parent? So have you heard what people are thinking about doing or, you know, their strategy on this? Right now, I haven't. It's a brand new. It just started Mm. November 1st. So I think Christian parents are still like— Like trying to figure it out, yeah. Let's see what we're going to do. And and perhaps they are trying in, in legal ways or in official ways to say, well, wait a minute, not every parent in Brunei is a Muslim. So maybe we should have, you know, for the Christian children, one hour a day of Christian instruction. I don't know that that will go anywhere. I don't know that the, the government or the education department will be receptive to that. Um, so right now, it's I think they're still trying to work out, okay, wow. what does this mean? And and is there any kind of a workaround mm. uh, that we could find to, to protect our children? Wow. Definitely a matter for prayer. So what are some other areas that um, are are of concern and that we need to be praying about? Well, I would encourage our listeners to pray. We have talked many times about Susanna Coe, whose Mm -hmm. husband, Pastor Mm -hmm. Raymond Coe, was abducted. She was on the witness stand yesterday. She will be on the witness stand again tomorrow. So she, in her case, she is suing the Malaysian government. Um, Yesterday, she talked about the uh, a police operation to arrest somebody several years ago. And it also was captured on video, just like the abduction of Pastor Raymond Coe. And it looked exactly the same. I mean, it looked mm-hmm. like the same tactics, the same style, the same kind of vehicles. And she's like, look, this, we know this was the police because they arrested this person and, and it was public. It's the same kind of cars. It's the same kind of people. It's the same kind of tactics. I think pastor Raymond was abducted by the police as well. So she's trying to make the case that look, these two things look the same. We know one of them was the police. So it makes sense that the other one was the police too. We'll see how that goes with the judge. We'll see what the decision is. Um, but I would just encourage people to mm-hmm. pray for Susanna. This, as we've talked about, this is a very bold thing to sue the government that made your husband disappear. Yeah. Um, and so I just pray for her safety. I pray for her protection and for peace on her through this process, because yes. I, I can't imagine how stressful it would be. I, you know, and all along the way, six, seven years, almost seven years now, she has had to wonder where her husband is. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, pray that the truth come out and that she Mm -hmm. finds out what happened. And she stays safe. Yeah. So, and and that is her focus. That that's the purpose of this lawsuit. It's not about Mm -hmm. money for her at all. Mm -hmm. It is about I need to know the truth. Mm -hmm. I need to know what happened to my husband. Yeah. Also, this is a time of year when we celebrate Christmas that a lot of Christians face persecution around the world. So uh, give us marching orders, I guess, for this time. Well, again, we want people to pray. We talked about praying for Susanna Coe. Christmas is a time where Christians are at risk because you know, and even people who hate the gospel know, oh, Christians are gathering right now. Mm -hmm. They're having Christmas Eve services. They're having Christmas morning worship. 
if I want to make a statement about how much I don't like Christians, uh, this is a chance to get a lot of attention for my statement. And so we have seen churches attacked. Mm -hmm. We have seen Christians killed over the years in relation to Christmas celebrations because it is such a well-known time. It is such a public time of Christianity, Christian activity, Christian worship. And so uh, let's just pray for Christians in hostile and restricted nations yes. through this Christmas yeah. season um, that that they'll be protected, that they will be able to worship and celebrate the birth of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, but also that they'll be safe in, in doing so. That's great. Todd, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I really do appreciate everything that you do, the information that you bring to us, the, you know, the the reality of what we are dealing with on a worldwide basis. I thank you very, very much. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and we really do appreciate you so very much. Well, I appreciate every single opportunity to call people to pray for persecuted mm, Christians yes. and to share their stories. So thank you guys as well. And I hope you and, and all those who are listening, I hope you have a really meaningful Merry Christmas. You too, Todd. Same to you, brother. Mm-hmm.